so it's going to be longer classes, these two today and tomorrow. It's going to be much longer than usual. Um, so try to, to move quickly on this. We'll try to do all too long. And um, let's get started with Tukhavav. And this is an awesome, awesome lesson. There's lots of secrets to it. We're going to do Leshon Rabenu today. And uh, then we're going to do tomorrow what Rabbi Natan explains later. Not directly from the manuscript of Rabenu or from the language of Rabenu. It's going to... Tomorrow is going to be um, all the stuff Rabbi Natan decided to add it, Rabbeinu approved. So it's two, Leshon Rabbeinu, the first half today, and then tomorrow we get started. So, Leshon Rabbeinu, this is the language of Rabbeinu. Um, Hashem says to Moshe, call Yehoshua Bechule. This is when Moshe is about to summon Yehoshua, that he should lead Am Yisrael, and Moshe is about to pass away. It's in Dvarim, the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life. Hashem tells to Moshe, now Yehoshua is going to lead. So let's see how Rabbeinu does this. Kitzarich kol adam lemaet b'chod atmon arbo b'chod amakom. And by the way, the first lesson Rabbeinu, uh, Rabbi Natan heard from Rabbeinu was lesson Torah Hey, but the first idea Rabbeinu heard, um, Rabbi Natan heard from Rabbeinu was from Torah Vav, meaning the first idea, of, um, the first like um, concept he heard, not the first lesson in entirety, but the first concept. And Rabbi Natan went crazy. He spent the entire night after he heard this idea of the. Which we're going to see here. We're going to um, this this stuff that Rabbeinu speaks about in this Torah. Rabbi Natan went out um, in Breslev whenever he came to Rabbeinu this Shabbat. Rabbeinu started revealing these Torot. Um, I think it was Shabbat Shuvah, and uh, Rabbi Natan went out um, to Breslev and he started screaming. In Breslev, there's a fire burning. May you allow this fire to be kindled within my heart. He used to start screaming this out to Hashem. He spent the entire night screaming when he came in the morning to Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu told him, a person didn't spend his one night screaming, he spent his entire life begging Hashem. He spent his entire life praying. And from that, he knew that Rabbeinu was mamash with Rabbi Natan completely. But we saw this, this Ratzon of Rabbi Natan. And um, this is the beginning of the relationship. And it starts here. That Rabbeinu is going to hint to Rabbi Natan that how, how a Talmid should be with a Rav, how a person becomes a Rabbi Natan. And this is, Rabbeinu is basically... Um, hinting to Rabbi Natan um, how Rabbi Natan will later become Rabbi Natan. Basically, this is what makes Rabbi Natan Rabbi Natan, this Torah. And we're going to see lots of awesome, awesome things in this Torah. A person must minimize their own honor and maximize the honor of Hashem. Because one who runs after his own honor the honor for himself doesn't merit godly honor. He only merits the honor of kings. And it says about this person who, mer- who only does um, the honor of kings. The honor of kings is an investiga- investigated matter. It says about the honor of kings, it's an investigated matter. People question it. People investigate after it and question, who, who is this and what is it? What is he? That he is afforded this sort of honor, such an honor. 
Who is this person that he deserves such a thing? Basically, people question it. They oppose him. That they basically say that he's not fitting for this honor. But one who flees from honor. But one who minimizes his own honor and maximizes the honor of God. The omnipresent. Then he merit the honor of Elohim, of Hashem. Then people don't question his honor. If he's fitting for it, if he's not, people don't question it at him, him at all, at his honor. And upon him, this person, and upon this um, honor, the honor of Hashem, it says, The honor of Hashem is a hidden matter. Because it's forbidden to investigate upon this matter, uh, upon this uh, honor, my bad. The honor of Hashem is a, hidden, is a hidden matter and people cannot question this honor. So Rabbeinu is now going to explain how a person merits godly honor. Not the honor of kings but Hashem's honor. It's impossible to merit such an honor except through tshuva. You can only merit it through tshuva, returning to Hashem. The essence of tshuva, whenever you hear your shame and you stay silent and quiet. When you hear yourself being embarrassed and you're quiet and silent. Outside and inside, this idea of like, you don't respond. And on the inside, we're going to see towards the end of the Torah, judge a person positively. We're going to see how a person, this is, this is an insane thing, how Rabbeinu does this. It's really something very special. Now Rabbeinu goes into the Tikkun Zohar, because there's no Kavod without Kav. The letter Kavod, the word Kavod, begins with the letter Kav. Kavod cannot exist without the letter Kav. But we're going to see what Kav is. And we know according to the Zohar, Kaf is Keter. Kaf represents the, the letter Kaf represents the aspect of Keter. Bechinat Ehye. And what is Keter? The name of Hashem that has to do with Keter is the aspect of Ehye. I will be. Bechinat Shuvah. Which represents Shuvah. We're going to see how Rabbeinu is going to prove how Ehye represents Shuvah. But Rabbeinu proves through the Zohar that Kavod is Kaf, Kaf is Keter, Keter is Ehye, and Ehye is Shuvah. So put all of those on one branch. Make it easy. Put it on one side. Now Rabbanu is going to prove how Ekiye has to do with Tshuva. Because Ekiye, the name Ekiye, I will be, that Hashem, revealed, that Hashem revealed to Moshe at the burning bush, means, Ana zamine meve. I'm, exist, I, I'm prepared to be exist. I, I, I prepa- I'm prepared to exist. I'm prepared, I'm prepared to, to be in existence. And uh, look at the Zohar. Rabbanu says over there, so what did this mean? I'm prepared to exist. How this means ekiye, and how ekiye does tshuva? Because before tshuva, a person has no existence in the world. Um, better this person not be created um, um, if he had not done tshuva, and it's as if a person hasn't come to existence in the world at all. But when a person comes to purify himself and to do tshuva, and he begins to manifest his name, then he begins to come into the aspect of the name, I will be. What is I will be? I'm prepared to exist. Meaning now he's coming to existence in the world. Now I'm prepared to exist. Meaning when a person is starting to do tshuva, then he's starting to bring this name into manifestation because now he's beginning to exist. And means existence. Um, so tshuva is ekiyeh. Because better a person not be created if he hasn't done shuvah yet. And it's as if a person doesn't exist at all in the world. This is the aspect of keter. Rabbi is going to prove and going to layer it again. How the aspect of ekiyeh, which we just proved this shuvah, is the aspect of keter. What is keter? Keter is a language, an expression of waiting. 
This is the aspect of tshuva. And how is waiting an aspect of tshuva? Menuh is explaining an extremely, extremely practical point. How tshuva is all the aspect of waiting. Person has to, having to wait and wait and wait. Be patient. It's in the Gemara. One who comes to purify himself, they assist him from above. There's a par- is, um, let's compare this to a person. There's a parable. A person, he comes to buy sweet-smelling oil. They tell him, Hamten, wait. What is Hamten? The aspect of waiting. It's a, it's a par- This parable they brought to a person who coming to purify himself, that Hashem assists him, this aspect of doing tshuva. They bring a parable of this person coming to buy oil, and the shopkeeper tells him to wait. Wait until I will come measure it with you, because I want to benefit myself from the fragrances, is the idea that Gemara brings down there. Um, the aspect of waiting. The person who's coming to, to come close to Hashem, to buy sweet-smelling oil, this good merchandise of the Torah, he wants to come close to Hashem, he has to wait. This is the aspect of Keter. Keter is an aspect of waiting. Wait for me a little and I'll show you. What does it mean? Katar, wait. Keter. Keter is waiting. And what did we say Keter? Keter is the aspect of Tshuva, is aspect of Eke, we said. So we see if Keter is aspect of Eke and we know Eke is the aspect of Tshuva, and what is now the aspect of Tshuva? Uh, what is the aspect of Keter? Keter is waiting. And Tshuva is waiting. So now we see how we incorporate the aspect of waiting into all this aspect of Keter, Kaf, uh, Tshuva, Kavod, and Ekeh. It all goes on one side. To make it simple, just put it on one uh, one side. I will call them a Tshuva, but before the Tshuva, what did we say? Ekeh is not there. He didn't have any existence. So if a person doesn't do Tshuva yet, then Ekeh is not manifested. The name Ekeh, I'm prepared to exist, isn't there yet. The name of Hashem, Ekeh, doesn't exist. It's It's its face is hidden from him. Meaning Hashem is hidden from this person. Because if a person hasn't done tshuva, he hasn't prepared to exist in the world at all yet. What is the aspect of hastarat peneke? The, the hidden face name of Eke is hidden from you. Hastarat panim is also um, a method of gematria. It's what we call achoraim. Achoraim means, by the way, like the backside. And because it means achoraim, backside, it's the same idea as hastarat panim, the, the face is hidden. So, whenever the, the name Ekeh is hidden from your face, or the, the face of Ekeh, which is Hashem, is hidden from you, it's the aspect of Achoraim, which is this backside. And what is Achoraim? It's a way of Gematria. The Hastarat Panim of Ekeh, which is this form of Gematria of Achoraim, is the numerical value of Dam. We're going to see what this means. Perush. Look at the asterisks over there. The, the Achoreh Shem Ekeh, the backside of the name Ekeh, is the numerical value of Dam. What does it mean whenever it says backside? How do you calculate the backside of a Gematria? It's basically you take a name, you take a word, and you take the first letter, and then you add the first letter, and then the second letter, and then you add the first, second, and the third, and then you add the first, second, third, and fourth. So if you take Ekeh, you have first, you have Aleph of Ekeh, which is one. Then you have Aleph He, which is uh, six. So you have seven. Then you have Aleph, and then He, and then you have Yud, which is um, Aleph hey is 6 plus Yud is 10 so you have 16 so we have 16 plus uh, 7 which we had previously um, which is 23 and then you have Aleph and then hey and then Yud and then hey which is 21 and then you get 23 plus 21 then you get 44 which is Gematria Dam Blood Kabuvaz is brought down whenever you write the name meaning backside meaning you add a letter each single time Hanu Aleph hey 
Aleph, Aleph, Hey, Aleph, Hey, Yod, and then you have Aleph, Hey, and then Yod, and then Hey. Shachazim bechol pam la'achol that every single time you go uh, to the beginning, meaning you always have to use the first letter, the letter before it. This is the the numerical value of dam blood. This is what it means whenever the 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 returning and hastarat panim the the achogaim of the name ekie um, goes up to dam. We're going to see what this means in practicality. What is dam blood? This is the aspect of spilling blood uvisionot scorn ridicule a person shaming. And this is referencing the Pasuk Uvozai. Those who scorn me, Yekalu, will be dishonored. Because the blood that still exists within the left ventricle of the heart, because Rabban was saying that it's specifically in the left ventricle of the heart, the Yetzara abodes, he dwells there. Because we know that Yetzara is the left side, Yetzara is the right. The, the, heart, the foolish heart leans to the uh, right, left side. Because the fool obviously is the one who who's bound to the Yitzhara, and this is obviously the left ventricle of the heart where the Yitzhara dwells in. Adan it's still within its strength and within its power. Whenever the left ventricle of the heart still um, has the blood within it, then the the Yitzhara still has its strength. The left ventricle of the heart still has more strength and power than the right side. Because of this, because he hasn't purified the left ventricle of the heart from the blood, the impure blood that's there. He has to endure ridicule and shvichudamim embarrassment. Because this is the aspect of hastarat v'hasarat, the hastarat, the hidden face of Hashem, and the hastarat, the turned face of Hashem. The idea that Hashem's face, Hashem's name, then Hashem Himself is turned from you. The 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 way Hashem manifests Himself. In the name Ekeh is turned away from you. The aspect of Ekeh, which is the aspect of Tshuva, which is said is preparing to exist into the idea of preparing to exist into the world, is still hidden from you. You haven't yet begun to exist because what you still haven't removed the blood in the left ventricle of the heart. So we see that Hazarat Hastarat the idea that Hastarat Peneekeh. Whenever the name Eki is hidden from you, which is this numerical value of Dam of uh, 44, um, it's because why? Why is it 44 Dam? Because the idea that the blood that is still within the last ventricle of your heart still hasn't been purified, it still hasn't been uh, filtered. You haven't removed it, and this is why you endure embarrassment. Because in order to merit Kavod Rokim, Rabban is going to accept, as we said earlier, you have to go through Kshejima Mizuno, you don't wish to whenever you you hear embarrassment, you have to go through some embarrassment. Rabban is going to explain now how a person has to be quiet and silent and how through this being quiet and silent a person goes through this tshuva. So we're going to continue. Um, this is the numerical value of dam. is the gematria of dam. As we said earlier, the rectification of this, it's a term dam blur into dom silence. They should hear, they should be of, among those who listen to their shame, to listen to those who embarrass them, and they don't respond. They're not vexed upon uh, the affronts of their honor, they're not vexed by the embarrassments to their honor. When one fulfills the aspect of the Pasuk, be silent for Hashem, then Hashem 
will literally fall, make fall for him corpses and corpses, meaning all the enemies will literally just fall right before him. All his, all those uh, people who are um, embarrassing him, all those people are just going to like fall as if they're corpses. It says, Dom la Hashem Dom la Hashem for Hashem and hope longingly for him. It says in the Gemara Gitin that he will make fall for he will, he will basically descend for you corpses. Hashem will literally make fall right before you, right in front of your eyes, all these corpses. And what's corpses? It comes from the same word. My heart is hollow within me. So Rabbeinu is going to explain what this idea of corpses means. Is now the aspect of halal to make your heart hollow. My heart is hollow within me, David says. So whenever you stay bedom, whenever you're dumb for Hashem, whenever you stay silent for Hashem, you, Hashem basically makes halalim for you. He makes he makes corpses for you. Like he he makes all those enemies fall right before you. But what does this really mean, Khalalim? In practicality, Rabban was explaining this is a reference to Tehilim. My heart is hollow within me. Meaning, whenever you stay silent for Hashem, you create a hollow heart. Not Khalalim corpses, but a hollow heart. Through this, you minimize the blood that is within, that is within the left ventricle of the heart. And this is the aspect of slaughtering the Yetzirah. Because what did we say? It's in the left side of the heart that the Yetzirah abodes. And through this you merit the honor of Hashem. It says, The one who sacrifices Korban Todah, He honors me. One who sacrifices for me a sacrifice of thanksgiving, He honors me. And what is Todah? What is Korban Todah? This is the reference to slaughtering the Yetzirah. When one slaughters the Yetzirah, he honors me. So how do we slaughter the Yetzirah? We said earlier, whenever one um, removes the blood from the left side of the heart, and how do you do that? When you're domla Hashem, when you're silent for Hashem. When you're being embarrassed and you stay silent, why are you embarrassed? Because you still haven't removed the impurity of the left side of your heart. You still have a lot to repair. And you still haven't done tshuva yet. So a person, Hashem sends a person embarrassment as a tremendous chesed to remove the blood of the left side of the heart, which is the strength of the Yetzirah, in order so that he should basically offer this korban to that. This, this person offers a korban to that whenever he stays silent. It's an awesome tikkun that a person literally honors Hashem and he merits Yechabdanani, he honors me. Zover to one who, who offers a todah, which is, we said, Zivichat Yetzirah, the song of Yetzirah, when he remove the blood from the left side of the heart, he honors me. Hashem, this is Hashem speaking. What does it mean he honors me? He retains, he, he, my bad, he gains the honor of Hashem. He gets the honor of Elohim, which is how it ties to the beginning. So we see full circle here. How Rabbeinu says through this tikkun of not responding when you're embarrassed, never ever respond when you're embarrassed because you accomplish this massive tikkun. Rabbeinu is going to explain um, this incredible, incredible thing. And this is obviously very important. Um, Whenever a person gets embarrassed, we see how this manifests on a person's face, how his face turns white and red, and all this stuff, the blood is is transferring from the left side of the heart, it's getting revealed into the face. This is the name of Ekeb becoming revealed to this person. It's all very, very deep. Look at If you look at it in manifestation, you're going to see the most awesome, awesome, wondrous things that Rabenu is really hiding within this lesson. We're just covering the, the pshat right now. A person must constantly hold... I must constantly be strong in the aspect of, in the trait of tshuva, repentance, returning to Hashem. Because who can say, my heart is cleansed? 
I'm purified from sin. Who can say such a thing in the Tadam Mishle? Because I've sinned, I've transgressed, I've, I've been um, like negligent. Even this, a person is, it's impossible for a person to say with a clear heart, with a pure heart. Without ulterior motives. We're going to see how. This is what Rabbi Nathan is saying right now. Rabbi was bringing down. Rabbi was saying, Rabbi Nathan is bringing down. Who can say my heart is pure? I'm purified from sin. Who can say that his heart is pure and rid of ulterior motives? Even at the time that he's saying, Even at the time he's saying, I've sinned, I'm sorry, Hashem. Who can say that he's saying that I'm sorry with complete alter- without complete ulterior motives? Who can say that he's doing it pure, with complete pure intentions? It's impossible to say that person does this completely purely. Because at that time when he's saying, I'm sorry, Hashem, all this stuff, all these forms of tshuva, even then his heart is impure. And even then he's not rid of ulterior motives. So we find that a person, that a person must do tshuva upon the first tshuva that he did. So you do a tshuva, a person must go back and do tshuva for the first tshuva. Because within the first tshuva, you have a lot of ulterior motives that we just explained. Rabbi Nathan is going to move on. Rabbi was going to explain a massive chidush here. What do we say? Meaning you have to do tshuva for the khatati aviti pashati that you said, for the time that you said, I've sinned, I've transgressed. Pashati, I was like negligent. For the time, when you said that, you have to do tshuva at the time you said, meaning for the time that you said those things, I'm sorry. Because when you said, I'm sorry to Hashem Bach, you weren't truly pure. Because you had ulterior motives. Because upon this person who says khatati aviti pashati, but not purely, it says in Yeshaya, bisfatav kibduni, he honors me with his lips. And the ending of the phrase is His heart is far from me. Meaning he honors me with his lips, but he's not his heart. Meaning he still has the left ventricle of the heart is still not completely pure. Um, because through Shuvah one merits the honor of Hashem. And the ending of the, of the verse is His heart is far from me. And even if a person knows himself that he did a complete Shuvah, even so, a person must do tshuva over the first tshuva, even if he knows that the tshuva that he did at the beginning was completely pure. Because at the beginning when he did tshuva, he did it according to his hasaga, his perception, where he was standing. But afterwards, after the tshuva, once he had done tshuva, it's certain that he recognizes and he perceives Hashem in a much greater light. Meaning, so when he was doing tshuva at the time, he perceived Hashem according to his very low level according to the where he was standing at that time, before the tshuva. But obviously, once he recognizes Hashem after the tshuva, it's much greater. So we see he has to do tshuva for the first tshuva because his first tshuva isn't complete, it isn't perfect. Because it's certain that the first perception that the person had when he was certainly doing tshuva the first time, his perception was very gashmiut, it was very corporeal, it was very materialistic. The way he understood Hashem was very, very lowly. He understood Hashem in a very low manner, very gashmiut manner. manner. So we find that when a person wants to do tshuva over his first hasaga, his first perception, it's because he made 
Hashem's exaltedness, Hashem's great greatness, Shehid Gashem, he made it crass, he made it physical. He didn't really understand how awesome Hashem was. And he made it physical. He made Hashem almost like um, corporeal, God forbid, to even say. And this is why a person needs to do tshuva. Even though he feels as if he did a tshuva shlema, he needs to do tshuva because um, he made Hashem corporeal. Shehid Gashem, it's a remote to the and this is the aspect of Olam Abba. Shabbat. Because what is Olam Abba? It's a day that is entirely Shabbat. And what is Shabbat? It's entirely Tshuva. The day of Olam Abba is entirely a day of Tshuva. Return to, unto Hashem your God. What's Veshavta? It's the word Shabbat. Veshavta and you shall return. Shabbat and Tshuva are the same idea. And how do we say, we say Olam Abba is a day which is entirely Shabbat and Shabbat is Tshuva? So what is Olam Abba? It's Olam Abba. It's the essence of Olam Abba is a person's perception of Hashem. They will know me, it said in Yamiya, from the small ones to the big ones. This is a reference to the time to come. The result is like this. Any single time a person has a greater perception, he grows from one level to the next. He shall do tshuva for the previous um, um perception and it's like the same idea that we we're talking about earlier going back upon each letter you first go through the aleph again then the hey then the you when you want to add up the letter you, you have to go back to the, the letter before it and uh, it's the same idea you have to go back to the tshuva before that you didn't do it purely and no one can say that my heart is completely pure i'm purified from sin because you're not rid of ulterior motives when you're doing tshuva even when you say i've sinned you're saying it with ulterior motives and Rabban was explaining a massive chidush here meaning you're never done doing tshuva Tshuva is eternal. It's something that exists forever. Even the world to come is an aspect of Tshuva. So a person should never think that he's done doing Tshuva. A person should do Tshuva every single day, every single moment. And with this, Rabenu was a master of this idea of Tshuva. And he's going to continue with this. Anyone who sac- um, the Chachamim say in Gemara, anyone who sacrifices his Yetzirah, Hanu who like slaughters almost in a sense is yetzera. Hanu bechinat tshuva. This is the act of tshuva. Bechinat v'libi chalal bekibi. As we said earlier, that my heart is hollow within me. Bechinat dom l'Hashem, being stands for Hashem. Bechinat ekiy, which is the name ekiy. Bechinat keter, which is keter. Bechinat kavod, which is the name, which is the aspect of kavod. Because we said let kavod, let what we call we said let kavod belo kav ve'akafu keter. So kavod keter kaf. It's all one idea. And we explained earlier how all this ties together in one boat. As we mentioned above, so one who sacrifices Yetzirah whenever he does tshuva by being silent for Hashem, when he's being embarrassed, and he's like he he minimizes the blood of the left ventricle of the heart through this silence, and he confesses over it. Meaning he he confesses over the slaughtering of the Yetzirah. Meaning he's doing tshuva for his first tshuva. For his first perception, meaning you already did tshuva, you already stayed silent for Hashem, but you must do tshuva again for your first silence, for your first tshuva that you began to endure, because your first tshuva was uh, an understanding of Hashem that was very gashmiut, it was very corporeal, or that it wasn't pure, you weren't pure, completely pure. The final thing is as if you, the final aspect of the Gemara, that it says there, one who sacrifices, who slaughters the Yetzirah, and who confesses over it, um, it's as if he sacrificed. He, it's as if he honored Hashem in two worlds. 
בוא נדמיין כי תשובה הראשונה בחינת כבוד המזה, לאחר התשובה זה זוכה להשגה יתרה, ומכיר ביותר את רומו אותו לקודם ועושה תשובה על תשובתו, על תשובתו, זאת התשובה היא בחינת כבוד העולם הבא. The first תשובה is the aspect of the honor of this world. And after one does תשובה, and he merits a greater perception, because obviously when you do תשובה, you're meriting a greater perception than before the תשובה. And he recognizes Hashem's exaltedness. And he does תשובה again for the first תשובה. This תשובה, the second תשובה that a person does, compared to the first תשובה, is an aspect of the kabod on Amba. The second tshuva, the tshuva a person does over his first tshuva, is the honor of the next world. Whereas the first tshuva a person does is the honor of this world. So we see here, HaRabenu Tazit together, V'zeshe Amru, HaRabenu Tzichanuacha, Yisubaretzen Negmara, Pesachim, Or Yekarot V'Kapa'on, On that day, there will be neither bright light, or thick darkness. Um... Or Shehu Yakar Baramaze Yekafu Vikana Olamaba. And what is in the Gemara? That light which is precious in this world will be insignificant and com- completely like nothing. Cut a slight in the next world. What does that mean? Nimta, we find Baramaba. In the world to come, Shehiskula Sigaya Terabar Koto, whenever you merit a greater perception of Hashem's godliness, it's certain that they will feel regret and they'll do chuva over the first perception of this world, meaning the perception, the first perception of Hashem, the first chuva. Um, because the perception of this world, which is like the aspect of the first tshuva, is completely corporeal, it's material compared to the 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 hasaga, the perception of the world to come, meaning your tshuva, the second tshuva that you do. This is as if you honor Hashem in two worlds. Because slaughtering the yitzhara is the first tshuva, this is the aspect of like staying silent for Hashem, the first tshuva a person endures. This is the honor of this world. And the confession over the slaughtering of the Yetzirah, meaning the tshuva that you do over the first tshuva, the confession that you realize that your first tshuva was not good. Meaning this is your second tshuva. This is the aspect of the honor of the world to come. That the first honor, the honor of this world, the first tshuva is completely insignificant and slight compared to the second tshuva, the honor, the second honor. The honor of the world to come. This is what Hashem says. I kept silent when you did those things. You imagined I will be like you. What did this mean? I kept silent when you did those things and you imagined I should be like you. I would be like you. I'm going to explain this verse. Because when a person, when he becomes uh, uh, silent, we explain that he creates this name Ekye that we were talking about earlier. He creates, he brings into manifestation this name Ekye because now he's coming to existence. When he keeps silence for a person, it's not to create this aspect of Ekye because God forbid, because it's not applicable this aspect of Tshuva by Hashem. This idea of Ekye by Hashem of um, making himself silent for a man. When Hashem is silent for a person, it's not to think that he's like us in the idea that we have to do tshuva and purify the left ventricle of the heart and do all these tikkunim. No, God forbid to say such a thing. Hashem is completely perfect. It's only so that we should receive our punishment in the world to come. 
Meaning, when Hashem is silent for a person, it's a very bad thing. That what happens, He orders before His eyes His sins. And He rebukes Him to His face. This is what it says. I'll rebuke you and I'll lay it before your eyes. This idea that when Hashem is silent, basically, in this world, um, with a person, like He just lets him go, He's just going to to give him whatever he wants in this world, but next world he's going to completely punish him. It, and that's the, the most dangerous thing. That's the worst thing. Better be punished in this world than the next. But here, Rabban was saying, don't think that Hashem is Ekiye I will be like you. I will be like Ekiye. Don't think that whenever I stay silent, Ekiye I am like this aspect of Ekiye. No, I don't need to do this tshuva, but it's for you so that I will give you your punishment later. It's because we're so bad that Hashem stays silent. God forbid. Hashem should never be silent for any one of us. Um, when a person wants to walk on the pathways of tshuva, by the way, pay attention to every single word here because we're going to see in the second section how Rabinat and Rabenu, how Rabenu ties together every single word that literally every single letter in this lesson is Lamash Ruach Hakodesh. We're going to see the most awesome things how Rabenu ties together his specific language. Um, we're going to see in the second section. Uh, tomorrow's class. When a person wants to walk on the pathways of tshuva, he needs to be a master in halakha. He needs to have two types of mastery. He needs to be a master in running, a master in returning. These two aspects. Worthy is the one who enters and he exits. This is what it says in Tehillim. If I ascend up to heaven, there you are. This is the aspect of entering. You enter into the pathway of Hashem. This is the aspect of being a master of running. And I make my bed. But I, um, what does it say? If I ascend up to heaven, there you are. But if I make my bed, in hell, in Gaina, you are here, Hashem. This is the aspect of exiting. The aspect of being a master and returning. What does this mean? This is the aspect of I am my beloved. I am to my beloved as my beloved is to me. I am to my beloved. This is the aspect of entering. My beloved is to me. This is the aspect of nothing. This is the reciprocal. This is the aspect of exiting, the returning. These are the, this, this is the secret of the meditations of Elul. This is the essence of Hashem's honor. This is what it says. And this how do you honor Shabbat? Because this is the context of this Pasuk, it's Shabbat. But in this context, we're going to... to the, the context of the, the verse is reference to Shabbat. But in this context, Rabbi, we're going to translate it as you honor Hashem. How do you honor it? By refraining from your routine ways. From, from, by stopping your ways. What are your pathways? The Shon Rabim, it's plural. Why many? Why is it in plural? Your ways in plural. What are the ways of tshuva? Entering and exiting. Running and returning. I don't know if going to explain what this means. When a person had these two types of mastery, Hanan, that we mentioned above, then he walks in the pathway of tshuva. And he merits the honor of Hashem. You honor him by refraining from your ways. Meaning you merit Keter. You merit this aspect of Keter. What is Keter? Because there's no Kavod without Kaf. Because there's no Kavod without Kaf. And Kaf is Keter. And Keter is Eki. And Eki is Tshuva. 
Then Hashem's right hand extends to receive our tshuva. This is the secret of the Kabbalah. Rabbeinu says, by the way, upon this Torah, that a person to find his wife should study this Torah, a person to have Shalom Abayit should study this Torah, because this is the Ikar to repair your relationship with the Brit Kodesh. This is the Ikar to repair your relationship with your, with your wife, with your, with your spouse. But all the Tikkunin that Rabbeinu is explaining here, all of what we just explained is all the kavanot of Elul. Rabbanu is going to tie it together later at the second section. And Rabbanu said, study this Torah if you want to do Tikkun Abrit. That Tikkun Abrit comes through this Torah, Torah Vav. And this is awesome stuff. I'm not even, we're not even getting into the, to any, any of the depth into it. This is just mamash pshat. We continue. So, baki ba'ayil, baki ba'ayil, You have to be a, a master in running, a master in returning, a master in entering and exiting. Which is this idea of understanding how to endure a relationship with Hashem. We're going to get to the explanation later. Rabbi Nathan is going to explain what this really means, running and returning. And this is a, an essential practice in Abu Hashem. And we, we've been explaining mamash essential things that a person has to keep at the forefront of his mind all the time. The idea of tshuva is the aspect of waiting. that You can't expect everything at once. You have to wait and wait and wait. And that waiting is, a, is the aspect of tshuva. This waiting that you endure, the pain that you have to do by waiting. Um the embarrassment that a person endures, all this stuff, because Shuvah is this aspect of embarrassment. A person doesn't necessarily need to be embarrassed by a person. He, he can be embarrassed before Hashem. And this embarrassment that a person feels, the regret that he feels for the sins that he had committed in his past, this is also an aspect of Shuvah, of being silent for Hashem. There's lots of things here that Rabbeinu is, is touching upon and it goes very deep. And we'll continue. Um, but all of, this, all of this lesson, every single second that we just did is extremely, extremely practical. Section 5. And through this silence and this quietness that you endure whenever you're silent before embarrassment, you create the aspect of Chirik. Chirik is a vowel point that is under some of the letters in the Torah. It's like one dot. Chirik. It has the, the sound of E. As is brought in the Tikkun Ezoar. This is the language of the Masim Merkava that Yechez go through. The, the vision of the, the, the chariot that Yechezkel goes through, which is some of the deepest Kabbalistic stuff, and uh, the deepest Kabbalah is Masim Kabbalah. And here, um, the Zohar is going to explain all this stuff. Rabbeinu is going to bring this down into practicality, how a person literally can go through these Tikkunim and Masim Kabbalah in, um, literally in the real world today, with what he's going to explain. Under his feet, was like the image of a sapphire brick. Was like uh, the making of a sapphire brick. What is this brick? This sapphire um, stone? This is the, the The vowel point, which is the chirik, the Zohar says. This is what it says. This represents the earth was my footstool. The earth is my footstool. This is Hashem saying. What is hadom my footstool? Hadom, my stool? Hadom, the stool, this is the silence. When a person is silent, this is the aspect of the chirik, um, which is the sapphire brick. This is the lower point of the image of, an, of the, the form of the letter Aleph. If you take a look at the letter Aleph, you have an upper yud, then you have a vav that's slanted um, right under the upper yud, and then you right have below that um, vav, you have a lower yud. So you have a yud above and a yud. The the aspect of the dmima, the silence that a person endures, is the lower yud. It represents the lower yud of this aleph. Unkudal, and we're going to see why 
has all to do with the Aleph, why it's a lower Yudvav, upper Yudvav, we're going to see the most awesome things here, Abba explained, the most incredible, incredible Chidoshim that no one ever has revealed such things. The upper point above the Aleph is the aspect of Keter. So you first you have the lower Aleph, which is the Dmima, the science that a person endures, the upper Aleph is the Keter. Within this very vision of the chariot, above the firmament, upon their head, upon the al uh, upon their heads was the sapphire stone, the mutkise, the image of a throne. The midkasya leela mivav sheva alef, the point. Um, <coughs> my bad. The midkasya leela mivav sheva alef, that it covers above the vav from the alef. This is the upper yud. The point, the upper yud, covers um, the vav of um, uh, of the aleph. Meaning there's the vav in between the lower yud, which is the silent, the vav in between, which we're going to explain soon. And the upper yud, which is this aspect of the um, the kiseh, the midkasya. It covers, it covers up. The midkasya rakia, it's called the firmament. And this point of the upper yud, is the kiseh de mitkasya, the throne, the covered throne, kemo shamru b'mufram imcha atitrosh, hidden from you, b'mufram imcha, b'mufram imcha, that which is too wondrous for you, too hidden from you, that which is too great for you, atitrosh, don't seek out, b'mchusem imcha atachkor, and that which is covered from you, atachkor, don't investigate. This is like the upper kavod of Hashem. This is the kavod of Hashem, which you cannot investigate. This is that which is covered from you, that which we don't understand. You cannot inquire about it, as we talked about earlier about the kavod of Hashem. This is the upper you, the Keter. Because what is Keter? Keter is Kavod. And what is Kavod? Let Kavod Belokov. And all the stuff that we explained earlier that's about the Kavod of Hashem that you cannot inquire about it. And uh, this is the upper you. So Rabbeinu proves there that the upper you is something we cannot inquire. It's the Kiseh. What is Kiseh? The Mitkasya. It's covered up. Meaning we cannot inquire about this. This is the upper you, the Keter. The lower you is the silence. So we're going to see. Kemosh Lamru. Uh, this is what it says in the, in the, in the Pasuk. The honor of Hashem is a hidden matter. This is the aspect of Keter. The Vav in between the Aleph is the aspect of firmament, Shemaim. This is the Shemaim. Esh Umaim, fire and water. As we talked about in another lesson. This is lesson two, I believe. This is the aspect of Busha, of embarrassment that a person endures. That his face turns into many different colors whenever a person gets embarrassed. So what happens to his face? This is the vav in between. When the vav turns different colors, this is the vav is the rakia. The vav is the firmament. So we see umimala rakia. We and above the firmament, we have this aspect of the throne. This is the kiseh de mitkasya. This is the covered throne, which is the upper yud. But what's the rakia above the firmament, which is the vav, which is eshu The aspect of many different colors: fire, water, all these sort of different elements. This is whenever a person's face gets turned into many different colors when he endures the embarrassment, when he stays silent. What happens? He get, um, So, you have above the firmament, which is the Vav, you have the Kiseh. So, you see here, within the Psukim, you have the entire image of this Aleph that Rabbeinu is creating now. And we're going to see why it's the Aleph, how Rabbeinu is going to tie this into the lesson in the most amazing way. So, his face turns into many different colors whenever he endures this embarrassment. This is the aspect of the firmament, which encompasses all the colors, as we say in the Zohar Kadosh. And through this, you create a man to sit on the chair. So now we're going to see what this means, because in the in the image in the the prophecy of the chariot, 
that Yechezkel goes through, this vision that he goes through, he sees this man sitting on a chair. Below him is this sapphire stone. Above him is this chair. Um, um, upon his their head with the sapphire stone, the mutkise that had the image of this chair. We're going to see what all this all this imagery has to do, and obviously it's very deep. Um, look over there. I don't know much about it, but um, the simple things. Um, look over there. We're going to see how Rabenu explains all these tikkunim within this this masim um, merkava, uh, within this vision of the merkava that Yechazkel um, go through, Rabbeinu is explaining how a person does this whenever he does what we just explained earlier, which is the embarrassment, the tikkunim a person does, tuisan, tshuva, tshuva, all this stuff. Um, so with this, whenever a person goes through this embarrassment and his face changes into many different colors, like the rakiah, like the firmament, which encompasses all these colors, with this you create a man to sit on a chair. You bring into manifestation this man to sit on a chair. The image was like a man. Upon um upon the throne, right? Uh, upon the throne with this image of this man. He let Adam below Aleph. Because what did it say in the Zohar? Uh, Zohar? Because the word Adam, let Adam, there's no man, there's no Adam without Aleph, without the, with the, without the letter Aleph. Bela Aleph. This is the, the, the letters Adam. Adam is Aleph Dom. You have the letter Aleph and then you have the Dom. Now Rabbeinu is going to explain how all this ties together. Adam. We had Dom at the beginning. You had Dom. You turn into Dom through the silence. And what does Dom you have to create? Whenever you do whenever you state, do this silence, you create the letter Aleph. Which we're going to talk about then. Once you add the letter Aleph to Dom, you create Adam. It's an awesome, awesome thing. It shocks me. It's a wondrous thing every single time you study this. Um... Because whenever you say sound for Hashem, you create this Aleph. And you create a man to sit on the chair. As is brought in the Zohar Tazriah. Look over there. Because the Vavet between the Aleph, which you said is the firmament, the encompassing of all the colors. This is the embarrassment the person endures. What's the lower point? We said it's the Shtika, the Dmima, the Chik. The lower point is the silence. The earth is my footstool. What's the earth? It's the lowest point. The earth, then the firmament, and then above the, above the firmament is the chair which the man sits on, right? Uh, the chair, which is the upper yud. So you hear you have the aret hadom The earth is my footstool. What's the earth? The lower yud. Hadom. And what's hadom? It's hadom. Hadom is my footstool, which is hadom. Stay silent. It's the same word. This is the aspect of the chirik. The E sound. Um, as it says in the Pasuk, below his feet. So, the earth in my foot. So, what's below, below my foot? Below my foot. Below my feet. Below his feet was this image of the sapphire stone, which is this lower um, sapphire brick, which is this lower uh, youth. And by the way, if you don't get any of this, continue moving, it's fine. We we continue going. The main idea is the, the simple point. The the main the the upper point, which is the upper yud, is the kise de mitkaset, the covered overthrown. This is the chuba. This is like the, the chuba a person does over the chuba. The, the second chuba. This is the honor of Hashem is a hidden matter. That which is covered from you. Don't investigate. Above the firmament, which is we explained as the above, is the image of a throne, which is what? The upper yud.
the thing that which can be investigated. This is kavod Hashem, kavod Elokim. When I said that like he said, when you do this, when you stay silent, which then creates all these colors within your face because of your embarrassment, and then whenever you do this, you create a man to sit on the throne. What happens? You create this man to sit on the throne, which is this image of a man, and it says in, in the image in the vision of Yechezkel. Like the image of a man, the appearance of a man, the appearance of a man upon it from above, upon the throne. So we see here you create the Aleph, the lower Yud, middle, the Vav, and then the upper Yud. And with this you create an Aleph, you add the Aleph to the Dom, the signs that you did, um, and then you create um, Adam. So this, And then Rabenu at this point um, in the lesson, um, um, he started grabbing his hair, his chair, my bad, his chair, he gra- started grabbing the ends of his chair very strongly, very firmly, and he started shaking it tremendously, and it, tremendously, and he started moving in this trance, and he started saying, he said one thing, he said, um, I think he said something along the lines of, one who sits on the chair is a man, and Rabbi Nathan said he didn't understand anything that Rabbi meant from that. We can't even understand what Rabbeinu was going through this, um, the tikkunim that he was doing at the time. Uh, <laughs> even the, the lesson itself, Mamash, is a chidush that um, n- it's tremendous. I won't dwell on it, but it's something very, very special. It, nothing has ever been heard of it in, in all this fighting. It's something unique beyond uh, anything. The Aznas, meaning he's, he's decoding all these secrets in, in a way, in a practical way that we can't even begin to imagine what we do whenever we endure this. Whenever, whenever, we, we, whenever we do what Rabbeinu applies in this lesson, we can't even imagine what we're accomplishing. And when a person does this, he creates the union between the sun and the moon. That the sun illuminates the moon. And you also create the unity between Moshe and Yoshua. Because the face of Moshe was like the face of the sun. It's in the Gemara Babavatcha. And this is the upper point, which is the aspect of the throne. Moshe, this is Moshe Rabenu. Moshe Katub, as it says, um, His throne will be like the sun before me. This is Moshe Rabenu, the upper point, which we said is the throne. And Moshe is like the face of the sun. So now we tie the sun to the throne. The aspect of the sun will be like the throne. Um, Oh, his throne is like the sun that's before me. So we see if Moshe Rabbeinu is the Kiseh, if he's the Shemesh, and the Kiseh is Shemesh now. Rabbeinu proves through this Pasuk. And above the firmament is the aspect of the, is the image of the throne. In the form of a throne. What's the lower point? The lower point represents Yahushua. The student. The moon. And under his feet, was like the 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 the, the making of um, like this sapphire uh, stone. Um, what's Livnat? Dalevana. This is the moon. Know that this is the moon. The Havav Shabbatocha Aleph Hakia. The Vav in between the Aleph, between the upper Yud and the lower Yud is the Hakia. It's um, the Vav and the Aleph is the firmament. The Hubchnat HaOhel. This represents. The Ohad, the tent of meaning, where Moshe and Yahushua met. So we have Moshe, the upper Yud, who illuminates the lower Yud, because the, the moon has no light of its own, it's illuminated by the sun. So Yahushua is compared to the moon, because he received everything from Moshe. And what is the meeting place? It's the Ohad, it's the Vav, in between, it's the firmament. Yahushua ben Nun did not remove himself from within the tent. 
אוהל הוא הרקיע, אוהל, the tent is the aspect of the firmament, כמו שכתוב, ואני מתרחם כאוהל להשם. He spread out the firmament, it's not explicitly mentioned there, but this is a reference to, it's explaining that he spread out the heavens like a tent to sit in. So we see that the heavens, the firmament is like a tent. אז רבנו ברינגס טו דס פסוק. וכתיב נוטה שמיים קריה. זה אמייזינג, רבנו ברינגס ברינגס פסוקים לפרוב את הפוינט. וכתיב נוטה שמיים קריה. הנתן תהילים. He spreads the heavens קריה. Like an overhanging sheet. And what's יריה? How does יריה have to do with a tent? וזה יריעות ההון. These are the sheets of the tent. So if he spreads out the heavens, שמיים, which is the same thing as רקיה, like a sheet. And what's a sheet? The sheet of the tent. So רבנו is explaining now. Uh, this is all a reference to the tent being um, the firmament. The Rakia, the Vav in between. Where Moshe and Yahushua meet. And the upper throne. The upper, which is the upper point. Is divided into three drops, into three points. Because Tshuva needs to be within three conditions. It's a new thing Abed was explaining. Three aspects. Lest you see with your eyes, with your, ar, with your ears, you listen, and with his heart, he understands, and he and you will return. These three aspects, the ears, the heart, and the eyes. These three aspects of tshuva, these three conditions of tshuva, have to do with the nekuda, the vowel point of segol, which is the three dots, two dots, and then uh, one in between. Two dots right side by side with each other, and then um, one under it, uh, right under it, in the shape of like a triangle, upside down triangle. Segol. Segol dachama. So what does Segol have to do with anything? Segol, Rabbeinu says, he brings down the Tikkunim and Tikkun Ezoach. Rabbi Shimon writes, Segol dachama. Segol is a reference to the sun. So what's sun? This is the face of Moshe, but like the face of the sun. So Moshe Rabbeinu, who represents his upper point, because Tshuva, the Nekuda Aliona, the upper point is the upper Yud, right? It's divided into three drops. Upper Yud has three points to it. It's the three aspects of Tshuva, because what did he say? The upper point is the Tshuva Tshuva, right? So this Tshuva Tshuva has three aspects to it. It's the ears, it's the heart, it's the, it's the eyes. It's the three aspects, of three, these three senses that you have to return with. You have to use your three senses to return to Hashem with. And uh, these three aspects get turned into the segol, these three dots. And what is the segol? It's the, it's the sun. So we said that the chirik is like the moon, right? It's like the lower point, the Zohar says. But the segol is like the sun. So the chirik is like Yahushua, the segol is like Moshe. And this is the combination of the two. This is an explanation. Rabbi Barakana said, one time we were traveling in the desert and we saw these geese whose feathers were falling off because they were so fat. Meaning of their fat, like the, their fat, um, had, they had so much fat that their, their, like the oil within their skin and whatever it was, their, their fattiness um, was so great that their feathers were literally falling off because of it. Dishmitin kadvayhu, what does it mean? Rashbam says, the feathers are falling off. Naflu notza shelahem merov shuman. That their feathers fell off because of the great fattiness. We continue the story. Vekam nagdin nachal ademishcha mitrutayhu. And streams of fat and oil flowed beneath them. Ba'amina lehu, and I asked them, It li minaychu chulka le'alma de'ate? Um... 
Will I have a portion? Um, um, will I have a portion in the world to come? Um, I think that's it. Will I have a portion in the world to come? Rabbi Baruchan is asking these geese. Um, one lifted its foot towards me. One lifted its wing towards me. And what did Rajbam say? He lifted its wing towards me. He he raised its wing to me. Ramaz hinting he was he was the geese was the this goose was showing uh basically with his with his wing. This is your portion in the world to come. He was hinting to him. Um, he was measuring to him this portion in the world to come. Litin um one lifted its wing towards me. We continue the story. When Rabbi Barakana came before Rabbi Al-Azhar and all these people that he was traveling with, Amarli, he said to me, uh, In the future, Am Israel will be accountable for them. What does this mean? Rajbam uh, says, will be accountable, will be held accountable, will be held accountable for them. In the future, Israel will be held accountable for them, meaning these geese. What did the Rajbam say? That um, with their sin, they prevent the Mashiach. Um, and they have this aspect of the pain of these live animals. Because of so much, their fattiness, they have so much pain, these animals. That um, these geese have so much pain, and because of this, that Am Yisrael are going to be held accountable for judgment. Why? Because of these fatty geese. What does this mean? The Rajbam is saying this idea of foie gras also is hinting too. That we have to be very careful not to eat these fatty geese, these geese that are um, filled up, force fed, because of the tsar ba'ale chayim. The fact that we eat these geese, tsar ba'ale chayim, these animals that are completely brought into such pain so that we should enjoy from it, and eat from them. B'nai Yisrael are going to be held accountable for every single thing, for every single uh, animal that they bring pain to. It's a very scary thought. Rabban was going to go into this. So, what's this explanation of the story? Rabbi Barakana is now going to investigate the, trait, the good trait of anava, humility. That a person makes himself as if he's like a trodden desert, a desert to be trod upon. That people step on this desert. Everyone steps upon this person. The humble person, everyone steps on. The sages saw, What does it mean? This is the aspect of geese. One who sees a goose, geese in his dream should anticipate wisdom. Meaning geese and wisdom are one idea. So it says, The chachamim saw, when the Chachamim see, this is the aspect of geese. Because Chokhmah and geese are one idea. What did it mean? That their feathers were falling off because of their fat. Rashi says, Their feathers. What is Notsot? Feathers? This is the asset of argument and scorn, embarrassment. As it says in the Pasuk in Varim, when, when these men are fighting, when men are fighting, Yinatsu um, coming from the word not so feathers. So feathers and fighting come from the same root. Meaning this person doesn't pay attention to the machloka, to the argument and the shame that they are embarrassing him with. The scorn that they are scorning him with. 
And he's among those who literally listen to his embar- listen to their shame and they don't respond. They stay silent. They take all the embarrassment. And through the fact that they're silent, they are called wise men. Because the fence for wisdom is silent. Meaning, the idea through that is to stay silent. Because silence is the aspect of keter. See how Rabbanu ties this together with the asterisks. Because through silence one merits tshuva. We talked about it earlier. And what is tshuva? It's the aspect of keter that we said earlier. Because keter is ekeh and ekeh is tshuva. This is the aspect of a fence for wisdom is silence. Siag like a fence specifically. This is the aspect of keter. It's the aspect of a fence and a boundary that goes fences in and surrounds. It goes round and round. This is Keter. It's like a boundary. It's like a round and round boundary. It um, surrounds. It encrowns in a sense. It, it, it crowns. And it like um, it puts a crown and it surrounds this Chokhmah. Uh, it's like a surrounding around Chokhmah. It's like a boundary around Chokhmah. It's like a, a fence around Chokhmah. This is the aspect of keter, which is a fence. Why a fence? Because a fence is just like a fence around something. Um, it's a it's a fencing around something. So too keter is a, is a fence for chokmah. How do you create this this um, this fence for wisdom through silence? So when you're silent, you create this keter. Keter being a fence for chokmah. So once you're silent, you create this keter around chokmah. Which is this fence? This is what it means when it says the fence for wisdom is silent. The through silence you create this keter. Keter is like um, um, it encrowns and it like surrounds chokmah, and then um, yeah, it creates this boundary around it. So we continue. We go back to the lesson. Um, this is the aspect and a link, this is the expression of dishmitan. My bad. Dishmitan uh, that their feathers were falling off. Dishmitan um, that means falling off. That's why with the feathers falling off. Any creditor will release any debt owed to him. This is an aspect of shmita. That um, any single debt that is owed to a person will be released on the seventh year. That um, all like loans and all the stuff are like, completely removed. Whatever it is, and that's completely specified. There's many laws to this. That means they they're um, they won't avenge their disgrace. Meaning any creditor will release any debt owed to him. Shamot. Meaning um, uh, what do you call it? Shamot will release. What does it mean? Dishmitan, falling off to release. Shamot. It's a it's a language of this pasuk. This pasuk in Dvarim, reference to shmita. That all these people who have any debts will release their debts completely to any person who owes them anything on the Shemitah year. Why? This is the same idea of a person who gets embarrassed. Why? Because the person basically owes another, this person another embarrassment. Because you embarrass someone, basically I want to embarrass you. You embarrass me, I embarrass you. But what's he saying? It's like this aspect of Shemot. He releases this debt. Yeah, you embarrass me, but I'm not going to embarrass you back. It's the same idea. So what does it mean, Dishmitan, that their feathers were falling off, were released? It's a person who releases his debt. Meaning he doesn't embarrass this other person back. He stays silent. Because of their fat. Why is he not going to release this embarrassment back to this person? Why is he not going to return the favor of embarrassment? Why is he going to release the debt 
that is owed to him. Because what? Because of their fat. Because the language of fat and thick. What did that mean? Kloma. Means to say, because of the fact that you hold yourself to be shamanta, fat and thick. Shamanta, avita, fat and thick. It's because of this that you stay silent and you're embarrassed. When you're embarrassed, that you stay silent and you don't respond. That you don't embarrass the person back. Why? Because of their fat. That you release your debt. You don't embarrass the person back because of your fattiness. Because of the fact that you haven't done shuvah. We're going to see how this aspect of fattiness has it mean means that you haven't done tshuva yet. Because this a person does for tshuva over sins. Meaning you stay silent because you want to do tshuva for your sins. Yeshuhun became fat. Meaning the fat heart. And the ears. Unless you see um, all the aspects of the heart, the ears, the, the, the eyesight. The tshuva needs to be done with these three conditions. Because your heart is fat, your heart is thick, your ear, your your ears are thick, um, all this stuff. But you haven't done tshuva yet, that you don't respond back, that you feel that you're worthy of the embarrassment, that you deserve the embarrassment. That re- streams of river, were, uh, streams of oil, my bad, rivers of oil were flowing from beneath these geese. Meaning through the silence that a person embarrasses, uh, stay silent. Which is this aspect of a geese? And what is the geese? It's one who sees geese in his dream is wisdom. So when a person is silent, which is the aspect of wisdom, um, it's the aspect of these geese. And rivers of oil were flowing beneath these geese. When a person remains silent, he, he merits rivers of oil. What's rivers of oil? He merits kevodarokim, the honor of Hashem. And this is the aspect of oil. You loved righteousness and you hated wickedness. This is why I've anointed you. The king is always anointed with oil. Meaning what? And what, what does it mean? I've anointed you. I've anointed you with this aspect of oil. Hashem anointed the king with oil because he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. This is the, the aspect of the king of glory. So the king is anointed with oil. And what is the king? It's the king of honor. So the king merits honor through the oil that he receives whenever he's being anointed because he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness through his silence. What happened whenever Rabbi Bachana asked these geese do I have a portion in the world to come? One of them lifted its leg towards me. The earth is my footstool. Meaning my foot. One of the geese lifted its foot. This is the lower yud. One lifted its wing towards me. This is the aspect of the throne. Your wing should... My bad. Coming from the word kanaf, mean wing. Here in this verse, it translates that as um, your teacher should no longer be be hidden from you. Be hidden. Your teacher should no longer, no longer be concealed from you. This is the upper yud. Also, Rabbi Rakhana merited these aspects of um, through his silence, his embarrassment. Um, all these tikkunim that he had done himself. And this is the reason why he merited this aspect of the world to come. Because what's the idea of the world to come? Maybe it's also a reference to the idea of um, the tshuva al-tshuva. Because the world to come is the aspect of the second tshuva a person does. So, Rabbi Rakhana attained these aspects. 
of tshuva, tshuva, the embarrassment, all this stuff that we just mentioned. In the future, Israel will be held accountable for these geese. Ki Israel nikraim Adam because Israel are called Adam, man. Um, so yeah, look over there. <coughs> the Adam is, uh, Israel is called Adam. Hashem and Israel are one. They're considered united. So, Israel, Israel, if Israel are man, like he said, they should sit on the throne. Because it's Ad- Hashem who sits on the throne, right? But if Israel and Hashem Baruch Hu are considered as if one, and Israel is Adam, Israel is the aspect of man, as we know, according to the Zohar and the Gemara Masechet Yivamot, Samech Aleph Amud Aleph, then we see that Israel is fitting to sit on the throne. That we're going to see what this means. Rabbi Elazar says, upon Israel will be held accountable for them. Kemoshe Katub ve'ala kise demut kemara Adam. Upon the throne was the image of the appearance of a man, the form of the appearance of a man. And what's Adam? It's Israel. So Israel is also fitting to sit on the throne. Israel will give judgment to all the inhabitants of the world. They too will give judgment. Israel will also have the power to judge like Hashem. They alone will pass all the judgments. Meaning Israel now too will be able to sit on the throne. This is the explanation. Subdue um, the people beneath us. The nations under our feet. This is the aspect of the chirik because we said the chirik is like the the sapphire stone below the foot. The lower yud of the aleph. This is the aspect of below his feet, etc. This is what it says: the earth is my footstool. He will choose for us our inheritance. This is the ending of the verse. This is the aspect of Moshe. This is the upper yud of the Aleph. And above the firmament, which we said was the Vav, is the image of the throne, which is the upper yud. We were saying, and his face, uh, his throne is like the sun. His throne is like the sun. So what's the sun? Sun. The, sun, the face of Moshe is like the face of the sun. So Moshe is Kise, who is the upper Aleph, who is the upper yud. My bad, who is the upper yud of the, of the Aleph. And the Chachamim say, this is Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, Nachala, what is Nachala? Our inheritance. That he will choose for us our inheritance. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. Zo Shiloh. So the Zohar says, Zo Shiloh. This is Shiloh. Shiloh. And what is Shiloh? And another place in the Zohar, Shiloh da Moshe. This is the reference of Moshe. Moshe and Shiloh have the same numerical value. And the ending of the verse you choose for us our inheritance, the pride of Yaakov. The aspect of Yaakov is the vav in between the aleph. The tent. The aspect of light. As I said, behilo nero. It says in Eyov. Behilo nero. Ohel and nero in the same verse. Moshe illuminates and it says, Yaakov was a man sitting, simple man, the wholesome man sitting in the tent. So Yaakov is the tent. And Moshe is the upper youth. And um, Yahushua is the lower youth. These are the three things that Israel were commanded when they were commanded whenever they were entering Israel that they should wipe out the seed of Amalek. 
This is what it says in the Pasuk, in the verse in Tehidim, in Zayin, that we were saying earlier, and just above, to subdue the nation, the, the, the people, the nations beneath us. This is Amalek. The second thing to do was to appoint a king. This is the pride of Yaakov. This is the Vav in between. So we just take care of the lower youth, which is subduing the enemies beneath us. This is Amalek. Then you have the, the Vav in between. This is the pride of Yaakov. A star will go forth from Yaakov. This is the aspect of the king. This is the reference to Mashiach. A star will go forth from Yaakov. And build for, for them the Beta Mikdash. This is the third thing that they would... Um, the, uh, what do you call it? This is the third thing that they were commanded to do upon entering. This is the aspect of Moshe. This is the aspect of that. Moshe is that. We know many lessons. Rabbanu explains this. And Rabbanu can improve. It says, in Gemara Masalat Barachot, one who has da'at, it's as if he built a Beit HaMikdash in his days. Meaning one who has da'at is as if he built a Beit HaMikdash. So Moshe Rabbeinu is the upper youth. This is the aspect of da'at, which is the beta, building the Beit HaMikdash. Because one who has da'at, it's as if he built a Beit HaMikdash. Then what it says, he shall choose for us our inheritance. Our inheritance is Moshe Rabbeinu who who is the aspect of the Beit HaMikdash, because he has that. Misiman Dalid Atkan, Lashon Rabbeinu Zichon from lesson four up until right this point, this is the, the manuscript, the language of Rabbeinu himself. So, next section, we'll do the second half, Rabbi Natan, Rabbeinu, how they tie together, how Rabbi Natan writes and ties together what Rabbeinu says later. After he gave this lesson, you can see here, Rabbeinu stopped here, and, um, Rabbi Nathan's going to go on to do some awesome things soon. Um, God willing, next class. Be'ezrat Hashem.